2 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. In the three and twentieth year of Joash the son of Ahaziah king of Judah, Jehoahaz the son of Jehu began to reign over Israel in Samaria and reigned seventeen years. Jehu must be dead and Jehoahaz has taken over in Israel. 2. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and followed the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, wherewith he made Israel to sin. He departed not therefrom. In the last chapter we were talking about the kings of Judah, and now we're back again talking about the kings of Israel. Jehu's son is on the throne, but he is leading Israel into pagan worship. So he's a bad king. 3. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazael king of Aram, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad the son of Hazael continually. The Arameans are continually warring with the Israelites because of the Israelites' sin, and that is the ten tribes of Israel. Do you ever feel like everything seems to go wrong, or you're always fighting a battle? It's good to consider whether or not there's sin in our life that we need to repent of. A lot of times these battles will clear up when we repent of our sins. 4. And Jehoahaz besought the Lord, and the Lord hearkened unto him, for he saw the oppression of Israel, how that the king of Aram oppressed them. Jehoahaz is begging the Lord for mercy. And the Lord is listening. He sees that the Arameans have oppressed the Israelites a lot, and the Lord cares about them. So even when God is disciplining you, you can still beg him for mercy. He loves us so much that he'll even listen to us, as long as we're being honest with him and with ourselves. And we're just coming to him and admitting that we did wrong, and we really need his help to clean our lives up. And the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they went out from under the hand of the Arameans, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before time. The children of Israel were probably hiding in those famous caves that they built to hide from the pagans whenever the pagans harassed them. But the Lord sent them a deliverer, so now they were able to leave the caves and go back to their homes. This deliverer, as we will read later, is going to be Jeroboam II, who is Joash's son. 6. Nevertheless they departed not from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, wherewith he made Israel to sin, but walked therein, and there remained the Asherah also in Samaria. The Asherah pole is that pagan fertility pole. The pagans use sex and child sacrifice rituals to have prosperity. That's what that Asherah pole is for. And they didn't get rid of it, and they didn't stop sinning. Their king cried out to God for help, but the Israelites wouldn't stop sinning. Even though God loves us and wants to have compassion, we need to really repent of our sins in addition to asking him for help. 7. For there was not left to Jehoahaz of the people save fifty horsemen and ten chariots and ten thousand footmen, for the king of Aram destroyed them and made them like the dust in threshing. The king obliterated their cavalry. They didn't have hardly any cavalry left. 8. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoaz and all that he did in his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? 9. And Jehoaz slept with his fathers. He died, and they buried him in Samaria, and Joash his son reigned in his stead.
now we have another Joash who's king, but he's the king of Israel instead of the king of Judah. Previously, we had had Joash king of Judah, but now we have Joash king of Israel, who is a totally different king. It gets confusing in the Bible because they're going back and forth between two kingdoms, and a lot of the kings and other people involved have same or very similar names. So it's pretty confusing. You almost have to map it out on a piece of paper to keep track of it. 10. In the thirty and seventh year of Joash king of Judah began Joahash, the son of Jehoahaz, to reign over Israel in Samaria, and reigned sixteen years. So there's two kings who have virtually the same name at the same time. One is the king of Judah, and one is the king of Israel. After Joash of Judah stopped being king, his son Amaziah took over. And at this point, we still have Joash as king of Israel, who took over from his father Jehoahaz. 11. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, wherewith he made Israel to sin, but he walked therein. Joash of Israel is also a bad king. 12. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did and his might wherewith he fought against Amaziah king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? When we get to the books of Chronicles, we will read about these two kings fighting each other, Joash of Israel and Amaziah of Judah. But it's not going to tell us here in this book. That's the beauty of reading Chronicles. You get the whole history over again, but you get a lot more detail. 13. And Joash slept with his fathers, and Jeroboam sat upon his throne. And Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Here's another Jeroboam, the son of Joash. 14. Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he was to die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, and wept over him, and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. This is a really interesting statement, because it's the same thing that Elisha said when Elijah went up to heaven, when he was translated to heaven. Now the king of Israel is saying it when he knows that Elisha is going to die. There's a lot of interesting things in this verse because, first of all, Elisha is dying of a sickness. God is using an illness to cause him to die. The Bible doesn't say that he sinned, so I think God just allowed him to be sick before he died. All things are for God's glory, whether we translate to heaven and don't die, or whether we die of old age and we're never sick or whether God causes us to die at a certain time like he did with Moses, or whether God allows us to have an illness that kills us. Either way, it's for God's glory. We give him the credit, and we just remain steadfast in our faith. There are some people today who say that God never allows anybody to get sick, or that if you don't get well from an illness, you don't have faith. And this isn't true. Now, it does take faith to get healing and deliverance. But if you don't get healed, that doesn't mean in and of itself that you don't have faith. Or if you don't get delivered from a bad situation, that in itself doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It could be that God is testing your faith. 
So Elisha obviously was a man of faith, and yet he had a sickness. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who we'll read of later in the book of Daniel, they said that if God did not deliver them out of the fire, that they would still trust him. They were men of faith, even though they knew that God might choose not to deliver them. Now, when the king calls Elisha his father, that shows us that he considers Elisha to be his spiritual father. I also think it's a reference to the Lord himself because the Lord also has chariots. And Elisha said this when Elijah went up to heaven in a chariot of fire that came from heaven. So it's a reference to God and it's also a reference to Elisha as a father figure of the king of Israel. 15. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. 16. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha laid his hand upon the king's hand. This is another prophetic enactment. You know how prophets always act everything out. So Elisha is now acting out a prophecy that has to do with whether or not the king will be successful. And this is Joash. He's the grandson of Jeshu, and Jeshu was promised that his generations would sit on the throne up until his great-grandson, which means Joash's son will sit on the throne. 17. And he said, meaning Elisha said, open the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory against Aram, for thou shalt smite the Arameans in Aphek, till thou have consumed them. The Arameans live eastward, and Elisha is having the king, Joash, help him enact out the fact that God has prophesied that Joash will win a battle over the Arameans. 18. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. Now Elisha says, Take the extra arrows and hit the ground with them. And the king, Joash, hit the ground three times. And then he stopped. 19. And the man of God was wroth, meaning angry with him, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Aram till thou hadst consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Aram but thrice. Each of these times that Joash was to hit his arrows on the ground was to represent a battle. It's a prophetic enactment that he will win that many battles. But unfortunately, Joash didn't understand by faith what was going on, and he just randomly hit three times. Or else he did understand, and he only had the faith to think that he could win three battles. So he only hit three times, which means he's only going to win three battles. But Elisha says that's foolish because it will take five or six battles to completely defeat the Arameans. But you're only going to win three, which means you're going to come up short. You're not going to completely wipe them out. 20. And Elisha died and they buried him. Now the bands of the Moabites used to invade the land at the coming in of the year. The Moabites again are cousins to the Israelites because they are the children of Lot who was the nephew of Abraham. And they're also pagans. And bands would be like roving bands who might be stealing things. And these are warrior bands. So they might come in, hit a village, kill some people, steal some things and run off. And they would come in, 21, and it came to pass as they were burying a man. 
as they were burying a man who had died, that behold, they spied a band, meaning raiders were coming, the Moabite raiders. And they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha, simply because it was handy. A sepulcher is a cave where you put the dead bodies of your family. And they were near the sepulcher because they were getting ready to bury a man. But because the raiders were coming, they just tossed the man into Elisha's sepulcher because they had no time to put him where he belonged, and then they ran. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. This is the last miracle of Elisha, is that even after he was dead, when another dead man touched his dead corpse, that dead man came alive. Now you might say, well, why didn't Elisha come alive if this man did? And again, it's all for the glory of God. It glorified God that that man came alive and would live longer, but it also glorified God that Elisha was now in heaven with the Father. God wanted Elisha in heaven. He didn't want to raise him from the dead, but he wanted this other man to be raised from the dead. That is the last miracle of Elisha. Again, it confirms that Elisha was following the Lord when he died, even though he died of a disease. We don't know what the disease was, but it was something that God gave him in order to possibly to test his faith, and in order to kill him, to take him to heaven. 22. And Hazael king of Aram oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz is Joash's son. Joash is the one who struck the ground three times when he should have done it five or six times. And because he didn't completely conquer the Arameans, then his own son had to deal with them because he only struck the ground three times. So he only won three battles with the Arameans. Therefore, his son Jehoahaz still had the Arameans oppressing him during his own time. Now, Jehoahaz is the king of the fourth generation of Jeshu, which means that's where Jeshu's line will end, and the next king will not be a great-great-great-grandson of Jeshu. He will come from a different line. 23. But the Lord was gracious unto them, and had compassion on them, meaning the Israelites, and had respect unto them, because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not destroy them, neither hath he cast them from his presence until now. Now this is a prophetic verse too. It's saying until now, and of course it was written before Christ was born. But we can still understand that God has not forsaken the Israelites even unto now, which is today in 2023. He still hasn't forsaken the Israelites because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even though the Israelites will not receive their Messiah, Jesus, yet, God hasn't given up on them. He's going to eventually lead them to Jesus because it gets prophesied in the New Testament and in one of the minor prophecy books that we will read. It's prophesied that Israel will finally accept Jesus as their Savior. So God wouldn't completely let the Israelites get wiped out by the Arameans. 24. And Hazael king of Aram died, and Ben-Hadad his son reigned in his stead. Now the Arameans have a new king, which is Ben-Hadad, and the Israelites are going to get a new king also because Joash died. His son, Jeroboam II, which is the second Jeroboam king of Israel, no relation, except that they're both Israelites, but Jeroboam II is going to reign next in Israel. 25. And Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, took again out of the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, 
the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz his father by war. Three times did Joash smite him and recovered the cities of Israel. Because of that prophecy that he would win three battles, when Joash was still alive, he did recover multiple cities back to Israel that the Arameans had taken. And remember, the Arameans are Syrians. And that concludes Second Kings chapter 13.